Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with my co-host, John Harlow and Katie Williams. We bring you Talking in Circles here after Talladega Super Speedway on a Wednesday night. Call in live, 917-889-8280 to join the show, whatever you want to do. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. We got a great show. We're talking about Talladega Super Speedway. It was a crazy, wild weekend in Talladega. Ten cautions in the Sprint Cup Series race. A very, very controversial finish at the end of the NASCAR Xfinity Series race on Saturday. We also have the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series schedule for 2017 being released tomorrow. We'll talk about that. Also, uh, it sounds like Sprint. Obviously, there's ten to eight, eight to ten sponsors in the mix to replace Sprint. We'll talk about that. I think that's just absolutely absurd at this point right now. And also, of course, we'll preview the NASCAR Sprint Cup and NASCAR Campermill Truck Series at Kansas Speedway. But, guys, we'll talk about We'll start it here first. Uh, Talladega Super Speedway, Geico 500. Uh, Brad Keselowski won his 19th career NASCAR Sprint Cup Series. Race Cobbush was second. Uh, your thoughts, John Harlow, to start us off on the Geico 500 at Talladega Super Speedway and Brad Keselowski's 19th career win. I can't really say that that was racing. I mean, the people who love watching wrecks, that was perfect for them. I think the, I, I mean, you know me, I've said for the couple years we've worked on this together and I've been part of the show, I'd like to see restrictor plate racing go away. And it was funny that Dale Jr., and, I mean, Denny Hamlin came out and said there's only two ways they can make it work. They can cut 50-mile-an-hour off of the pace, or they can add 50-mile-an-hour to it. It's not safe enough to add 50-mile-an-hour. If they drop 50-mile-an-hour, nobody would come. Look at the difference between this week at Talladega and last week at Richmond. This week at Talladega, I think Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Ty, Dill- Ty Dillon, and I think one other car – came home clean of the 40 cars 34 or 36 of them either had some sort of bondo on them some sort of dent and they were involved in an accident that's not what i consider racing i want to see cars beat each other i want to see cars nose to tail where whatever line you pick is where you go and then if somebody makes the slightest mistake you take out half the damn field that's not (laughs) racing it, it's listen. It's been this way since they put the restrictive plates on them, and since the '80s. I mean, and I'll get Katie's opinion here in a little bit. Um, I remember when I was a kid, everybody complained about plate racing, complained about the restrictive plates being on the race cars. And there's a lot to this. There's obviously a lot to this. You talked about lowering 50 miles an hour. And before I get this opinion here, before I go to Katie uh, Williams from SpeedwayDigest.com, to me. This is in the driver's hands, John. I'm sorry. It is the listen. It's it was it, there was forecast for rain all race long. Drivers were super super aggressive, and the drivers are ultimately the one making the decisions here. They need to settle down a little bit. And I know that might mean single file racing throughout the race, but they need to settle down. They're ultimately the one. And I know big packs are going to cause big wrecks, but these plate races aren't going anywhere. As much as people hate them, and as, much, as some people hate them. They're not going anywhere. Our biggest race of the year is a plate race at the day 500. These drivers need to settle down. Katie, what were your thoughts 
on this weekend at Talladega Super Speedway? Well, we didn't see the first caution until about lap 50, and the guys were also racing the weather as well, so I wonder if that made them get up on the steering wheel a little bit. And cars don't fly. We need to do something to fix that. I'm not sure what, but when you have four big wrecks like that, oh, my gosh. You're correct on that, and that's where I'll I'll agree with you is – uh, I think the big change we need to make here is these cars getting airborne. I, I didn't like seeing in one race three cars get airborne. Kevin Harvick got airborne at the end. Chris Buescher flipped over and over, looked like Rusty Wallace from 1993. Uh, Matt Kenseth had a very scary accident where he went upside down. I agree there. I think we need to look at the aerodynamics of these race cars, figure out a way to keep them on the ground a little bit better. I do think these cars will be slowing down a little bit more when we get to Daytona in July with a bigger restricted plate. But, again, you know, Jeff, John, Jeff Glock wrote, arc, wrote an article this week about uh, taking banking away from Talladega and Daytona, about putting a, a road course in the middle of these races. Uh, to me, it's just that, that's absolutely absurd. And I know you don't like restricted plate racing, but to me, it's not going anywhere, John. Oh, I know it's not going anywhere, and I know that's that would be impossible to put the road course in and to, I mean, especially with Daytona after the project they did, yeah, we're going to go take away 10 degrees of bagging. That's not going to happen. It's one of those things where you have to sit through and suffer for four races a year. Just think of Sunday. More than $1 million worth of cars went to the junkyard. That is crazy. They're looking at the finances of the sport. Everybody's fighting for sponsorship. And they run two restrictor plates, I mean, four restrictor plate races a year, two at Talladega, two at Daytona, and one race costs the race teams one million dollars. But that again, is to me, that is the responsibility of the drivers. If, you, if I'm an owner, I'm saying, listen, you guys are the ones making the decisions here. I remember back, you know, back to 2001. I'm going to bring you back a bunch of years, 15 years. I know it's a completely different era. It was a completely different aero package. But I'm going to give you this. When Dale Earnhardt got killed in February 2001, everybody had that sick feeling in their stomach. I mean, come on, let's let's be real here. If you weren't a human being, if you didn't. And I remember going to Talladega, and there was a lot of worry going to Talladega in April that year because a lot of people were going, man, last time we were at a plate race, our biggest star got killed on the final lap. We don't want to see that hap- happen again. God forbid we see that happen again. Uh, and that race, April 2001, was an absolute – go back and watch it if you're interested in it. It was an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal restrictor plate race. You know how many cautions we had? Zero. That's how many cautions we had because the drivers were very, very cautious, and they ran smart. They weren't stupid. They weren't crossing over. They weren't bump drafting going into the middle of a corner. I mean, come on, guys. You know, and I know it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy because it's not. But these are the best drivers in the world. I think they can figure it out and, and be a little bit more cautious and not tear up nearly as much stuff. We have a call here, 917-889-8280, if you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, I'm Jonathan. I'm calling from Richmond, Virginia. Hi, Jonathan. I, uh, I can tell you one of the main problems. And uh, I was talking to one of y'all earlier today. There's too much downforce on the cars. Like they, uh, A driver can literally slam into the back of another car in the corner. Now, does that give you any indication that there's too much downforce and these cars well, are too air-dependent? 
Well, yeah, I think they've and, – and I think as we've gotten in this sport here, 15 years ago this wasn't the case, but nowadays as we've grown in this sport, these cars on any type of racetrack, John, are more aerodynamic dependent than they ever have been. Now, uh, tell me track. if Jeff Gordon slammed into Dale Earnhardt during the mid to late 90s mm. and all over in the corner – that would have caused a huge wreck. That would have been all over ESPN back in its heyday. Now, tell me, if that happened today, it wouldn't have happened. So, just think well, about that. It, well, if yeah. you think about it, I mean, let, let me pipe in on this one, Clayton. Two weeks ago, Tony Stewart went and moaned and compl- I mean, went on, t- on TV, complained about four lug nuts, got his $35,000 fine, and basically said, when we put our helmets on, we become stupid. We're so damn determined to win that we will go to four love nuts. And if we can get an advantage and we know it'll go, we'll go three. We need NASCAR to police us. If you look at the way they do the Xfinity race, they're not allowed to tandem draft. They're not allowed to hit more than three times. They need to, NASCAR needs to take the stupidity away from the drivers. You're right, Clayton. The drivers do have control. But also the drivers are stupid the minute they put the helmet on because all they can see is a checkered flag, a trophy, and kissing the girl at the end. That's well, what they see. So I, I until NASCAR yeah. either puts in the you-can't-bump draft or anything like that, it's not going to happen. The other part is, and the way the restrictor plate's set up, you can be as cautious as you want, but you look at them, they war- I mean, whenever they're not going too crazy and they're three wide because the cars just suck up to each other, Somebody bobbles, you've got the whole field within two seconds of each other. You can't react going 200 mile an hour and get out of the way. So you're going to get a pile on it. It just is what we built in as a crash up derby. Did any of you watch the is, Daytona Xfinity race? Yes, I was at that race actually. That is, that is awesome. Uh, did you see how spread out the cars got that race? It, they, it was they still got, entertaining, of course. Right. It was it was interesting, and um, I, I think you know. To me, before let me talk about the Xfinity series quick. I just, I despise how they police the Xfinity series. I think they need to, and I'll get Katie's opinion on this here before we jump into the uh, the big controversy that was the caution flags. Yes, I know you know what, we'll, uh, but I just despise how they how they police these caution flags, uh, these this push drafting in this Xfinity series. I hate it. I think. You can push draft and cert- you can do certain things on lap with ten to go that you can't do with ten laps in, and I just think that is so wrong on how they do it. I, and I'm not saying NASCAR is doing it intentionally. I think they just can't police it. I don't think they're good enough to do it, and that's why I'm almost to the point now. And this is what and you look at the wreck at the end of that race. I t- truly believe that was a product of the tandem draft. Uh, Either you pull, either you say you fix these race cars in the Xfinity Series where they can can't tandem draft, or you let them tandem draft. That's the way I feel about it because I just think it's absolutely absurd the way we do the Xfinity Series. Uh, drivers don't know what they can do and what they can't do. We're getting black flag on lap ten for something that with ten to go is completely fine. I, I just think it's outrageous. Kitty, what are your thoughts uh, on the Xfinity Series or a- anything you heard here in this conversation? It's confusing, I think. You know, they said, you know, drafting or tandem drafting is a no-no, 
and then I'm watching on TV, and it looks like that's what they're doing. Yeah, it really does, especially late in the race. And John from Richmond, we thank you so much for joining the show. You brought a lot to the show. Uh, we got another caller here, another caller. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? What do you want to talk about today? Hi, I'm Ryan, calling from Virginia. Hi, Ryan. Uh, what do you want to Hello, talk Ryan. about here from the whole weekend at Talladega Super Speedway? It was nuts. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> There's all kinds of things to talk about from there, but I thought that was probably the most gut-wrenching, crazy race that, that we have seen in, 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 quite a, in quite a while, I would say. I mean, there was all, all kinds of action going on. A lot of bumping, you know, a lot, obviously the wrecks, and we had, you know, a couple flips. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, though. It was it was really more of a survival fest in the end. Once everybody started wrecking, it was just like, well, who's going to be survive, survive at the end to win this race? Pretty much what it turned into. Yeah, it really was. And, um, you know, what do you think about uh, the carnage at the end of that race? Do we need to do something for Talladega? <laughs> I don't really think so. I mean, I enjoyed the racing there. Cars were actually able to get up there and pass, unlike in recent years. It was really nice to be able to see passing again. I thought it was the best Talladega race that we've seen from start to finish in a long time. But, you know, I'm one of those people that likes to think that, you know, to really get a perfect race, you got to have some wrecks, you got to have a lot, you got to have a lot of passing, you got to have some strategy involved. You got to have some teams or drivers make mistakes, and yeah, I thought we had all of that in, the, in this race. So that's the kind of race I like right there. You pretty much have everything from start to finish. You don't have one leader pulling away and leading the entire way. You know, you don't have, uh, you don't have, you know, all good pit stops and no driver speeding. You know, we had everything there. I thought the race was some of the best we've seen at Talladega in a long time. But you know, but on the other side of that, though, you know, those two flips were pretty crazy, and in the end, we really don't, we don't, want, we don't want to ever see anybody get hurt. So. That's one of the things they got to look into. Because if I'm not mistaken, when Chris Buescher flipped over, his roof flaps didn't even come open until after he flipped right. over the first time. And that's never a good sign. But at the same time, the angle he was hit at, that was just a bad angle. He was just going straight, you know, at almost 200 and just get slammed. You know, that, it's to be expected. But the Matt Kenseth one was a, really was a weird one. He was just sliding along and should have never flipped. But unfortunately, he did. And that could have been dangerous had he been closer to that fence and gone over it. Yeah, it, it, it's... Uh, interesting, to, you know, definitely I think the cars got upside down. I do think, I want to be clear, uh, I do think there were too many wrecks. But I think ultimately it was because, like Katie said, they they were driving because the rain was coming. I think they were overly aggressive. I think they were racing the halfway. I think drivers are doing stuff. I mean, when you saw Chase Elliott at halfway before, you know, when we're coming to halfway, he was driving out of his mind. And I, I just think the drivers were overly, overly aggressive. And, and that's not a bad thing necessarily, but I think that ultimately leads to more wrecks, John Harlow. I really do. I think uh, that is part of the reason why we saw so many cautions. And I just think that the cheapest way to prevent all this, the cheapest, the best way to do it, is to help drivers relax a little bit here. And let's get through 100, 100 laps before we start tearing up race cars. And you remember the whenever they swapped and repaved Talladega, and they did their two, three wide the first 20, 30 laps, and then they went single file for almost 100 laps. And then they went balls to the wall the last 50, and all you heard was everybody going, all they did was ride around. People want to, I mean, the people who are watching it, they do want to see the two, three wide all day long. They want to see the drafting. They want to see, they want to see the pileups because you can't, they can't make ESPN unless they have a big one in Talladega. But it's one of those things, as you watch it, you have to, I mean, they have to go all out. And for them to go all out, 
they need to, they're going to end up with this kind of traffic, this kind of package because of the way it's set up with the restrictor plate. The one thing that I would love to see them do is, I mean, you look at it, they have the radiator where you get your air intake down below the radiator. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see where if you hit the radiator into somebody's bumper, you're putting a hole in your radiator and you're done for the day. Make that at the restrictor plate races where your intake actually is instead of a pretend uh, little grill there that doesn't exist. I'd like to see it that way. So if you do bump draft, you're going to pay for it. That might actually help them out. Yeah, it's an interesting topic because I think these guys, especially in the Cup Series, are building cars for super speedways only, and that's it. I don't think you're seeing a super speedway car anymore being ran at Kansas. I don't think you're seeing a super speedway car being run uh, at Martinsville and stuff like that. So uh, I think they're only building in force, which is another expense. And, John, you hit on it. You know, that's, that's a lot of money for these teams to keep building new race cars every time we go to a play track. I mean, uh, but, but, again, I just think the cheapest, best, most possible way to do this is these drivers just have to settle down a little bit. And maybe there's a little bit of a, of a uh, thing in the back of their mind where you say there's a little bit of safety where we haven't seen too many drivers get hurt lately and they are feel like they're almost invincible inside of a race car. That could be a little bit, I think, of something of it as well. But at the end of the day, I think um, there was, I do agree, John, I think there was too much carnage and too many wrecks. But I just think ultimately it was an outlier. I don't think we're going to see it every time. I don't think we're seeing that Daytona. Daytona's a different track. They, a lot things are a lot more calm at Daytona because they can't run three wide into a corner, four wide into a corner if they had to. So Daytona's always to me seems a little bit more mellow than Talladega. Um, but I agree with you guys. I think ultimately there was too many wrecks in that race, but it was good to see. And, and Ryan, before I let you go, I want your, your opinion here on it. It was good to see drivers like Trevor Bain have a good day. Trevor Bain finished tenth, but he was up in the top five all day long. He led a lot of laps. It was nice to see that, and I think that's something to play tracks. That makes this racing so great is you don't see these guys who are basically a different medium here because they're good plate racers were up there in the front. I think that was great to see, Ryan. That was very great to see. I mean, Trevor is just a, he, he's just a nice kid, though, and he, he, he really has had some tough breaks in his career. He should have, you know, after he won that Daytona 500 in 2011, everybody thought he was going to be the next big thing and everything, and it never worked out that way. He had a lot of hiccups along the way, but here he is in his second full-time season in the Cup Series, though, and he's finally... You know, the rounds will finally get some of that equipment underneath him, and he's finally having some better runs. And obviously, we know he can drive good at restrictor, at restrictor plate racetracks. So it was really, really awesome to see him have that run. But he wasn't the only one of the of the uh, underdogs, so to say, that actually had good runs. You know, Michael McDowell was running pretty well, Landon Castle. You know, I think Cole Witt finished 12th. You know, there, were, there was quite a few guys in there that definitely need some recognition for that. But it's one of those things, too, where a, a lot of the bigger guys got taken out, too. So. They were given free position from that. That's what that's one of the arguments that I always see from everybody. But it was really nice to see a lot of the underfunded and underdog teams finally have a, have some good days, and they finally got mentioned on on the air, and that was just really cool to see. I agree, Ryan, wholeheartedly on that. And I, I always, like I always say, thank you for calling the show. You always add a, a lot of perspective to this. And uh, Katie, your final thoughts on this Talladega deal here before we wrap up uh, the racing portion of the Cup Series? We're still going to talk about the Xfinity Series, but your final thoughts on the racing portion of the Cup Series uh, at Talladega? Well, like I said earlier, you know, when they weren't wrecking, the racing, the racing was uh, good. Yeah, it um, really was. It was, it was, it was great to see. 
for sure. We have a, uh, I think John called us back from Richmond. This is John from Richmond, right? Am I right on that? Yeah, I, uh, I was, they, like, the, the phone line kicked me off for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, okay. I, um, I didn't listen though. Next, next thing I want to talk about here quick, uh, is the NASCAR Xfinity Series to finish at the end of that race because it was controversial. Uh, if you weren't there, which I'm, I'm sure all you guys on the line were, were watching the race, but if you didn't, I'll wrap, try and wrap it up real quick. Basically, Brendan Poole had won the race technically. Uh, there was a caution, there was a, a wreck um, coming through the trial out Talladega, and if Talladega Super Speedway's start finish line is a different distance than where it is in Daytona and all those other places. Uh, it's a little bit further down towards turn one, and direct between Elliott Sadler and Joey Logano. Logano hit the outside wall, spun in front of 30 cars, hit the outside wall. They raced to, to the stripe, even though the caution flag was flying when they raced to the stripe, I might add. Brennan Poole was, ruled, was, was the winner. Originally, NASCAR went back and said, no, the caution was out. They went back, looked at timing and scoring, figured out Elliott Sadler was the winner to that race. Um, John Harlow, your thoughts at the end of that race at the NASCAR Xfinity Series Sparks Energy 300? Uh, it was a typical NASCAR cluster where I think they got it wrong. If you look at it, and I'm looking right now at NASCAR.com, they have a picture of the way they were allegedly when caution came out and Elliot Sandler is in the lead. But Elliot Sandler is also below the yellow line. According right. to the rules, you're not allowed down there. And whenever well, Logano got together, he was two lanes up. I mean, Logano came down to block, and yeah, they wrecked, and he came down below the yellow line. But, I mean, is this happy? Isn't it? I mean, if that's the case... I mean, Sandler gets the win, which is nice. It's a good story. Elliot wins on his birthday. It really would have been nice to see Brennan Poole, and i got to give him credit for his win. I still think he finished second looking at this, but the fact that he didn't get the win, but he was 100% classy about it instead of going, damn it, I thought I won, I got screwed, they fixed the race, so he could win it on his mm-hmm. birthday, year 14, all that good stuff. He took it and said, hey, it's our best finish. I wanted to be first. I know I was first across the strike, but it is what it is, and we're going to go and we're going to keep digging. We're going to try to do better whenever we get to Kansas. We're going to keep fighting. We're, we're closer and closer to that win. I think Brennan Poole won more fans by not winning that race and handling it with the class that he did than he ever would by winning the race. Yeah. K- Katie Williams, your thoughts on the end of that? race uh nascar community series sparks 300 yeah i think um brandon Poole did win fans just by not winning the race i had the assignment for speedway digest and i'm like okay who won had to wait for fox to figure it out or the officials to figure it out and but brandon Poole also you know he was the top of the rookies too so it's kind of like he did you know, he did get his best finish, and he did top the rookie list. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he ran a great race. There's no doubt. There's nothing at the end of that race that will take that away from him, that he ran a right. great race. He got the recognition that he wants, and I think that's something that, again, it will not go away from him. Um, 
but there's a lot to this finish. I, I think there's a lot to it. And John from Richmond, before I let you go here, uh, what's your thoughts on this finish at Talladega uh, in the NASCAR uh, Xfinity Series? What do you think about it? One thing, I thought the, the finish was um, fine as far as them racing back to the caution. It's just when you're coming out of turn four, cars start wrecking, whether it's the front pair or a, a set of cars, you know, 100 feet behind you. If you're within five, 600 feet of the start-finish line, you're not really going to stop a wreck. The wreck's going to continue. Mm-hmm. So in that time frame, I think the, the the finish line should be the, the caution light and where the field freezes. And that's what I had with the uh, Saturday's race. It, it, they froze the field less than a football field from the – or maybe a football field from the finish line. And that just – it just seems kind of silly because the the race was still happening as they approached the finish line, and that's that's the real well, problem I had. Well, and, and there was a, and there was, and again, thank you for calling the show. You had a lot. I appreciate it, and definitely call back next week, John. But you know, he brought up a good point. I think a lot of people, guys, John Harlow and everybody, um, I think a lot of people were talking about that. Where listen, um, that race, a lot of people felt that race. Could have been kept green. I, I'm on the I'm in the the minority on that. I really am. I think a lot of people were surprised by my reaction to it, including a loyal listener on the show. But I truly believe that NASCAR saw Joey Logano get sideways and realized there was a pack of 30 tri- drivers coming at him, and their initial reaction was, "Oh my goodness, we have to throw the caution flag." I don't think that's a bad initial reaction. I really don't think that is. Um, but to me, this whole scenario, and I, I've been saying this for years and years and years, I've always felt NASCAR made a rash decision about 15 years ago when they said you can no longer run back to the yellow flag. I think racing back to the yellow would be an, is an unbelievable thing. You know, think about the finishes that we have had in the past, even in NASCAR history, that would have been affected had the field frozen, which the way it is today. 1976 Daytona 500 with David Pearson and Richard Petty. They spun before the start-finish line. The caution would have been thrown there. Um, 1979 Daytona 500, I know that's the final lap, but there probably would have been a caution thrown there, and the field would have froze on the final lap like we saw. Uh, and it wouldn't have been as dramatic as it was when we saw Richard Petty you know, past the leaders in the back, past the guys wrecked in the back stretch, and Darrell Walter had a chance to try and figure out what he was going to do. That was very, very dramatic. That was awesome, and it added an extra intensity to this race. And that is something, and a lot of people pointed out, well, the drivers don't have a chance to slow down. That is something I would like to see NASCAR reconsider, especially on the play tracks, where you sit there and you say, just let them run back to the caution flag. Everybody understands that. Everybody goes, oh, that makes sense because they're basically past the wreck. That's what happened on Sunday. Everybody was basically past the wreck when Logano hit the wall. But when he started to spin, nobody was past the wreck. And I think NASCAR, they threw that caution really, really quick. And I understand that because when you have the leader in front of 30 cars, I think they, they, they expect to throw the caution flag with the push drafting. We see it with this push drafting. Every single time in the Xfinity Series race, there's always a caution because the leader is a sitting duck and he tries to block somebody and it causes a huge wreck. That's my thoughts on it, John Harlow. 
I'm with you, Clayton. I think the NASCAR did the right thing by throwing the yellow flag. Joey Logano spun sideways. They're coming 200 mile an hour at them. If they just say, keep going, boys, instead of woe it up, who knows? Somebody could have hit him sideways and he would wound up landing on the 30th place car, like Stewart did at Daytona in 2001 when Earnhardt died. That's the wreck I was worried about more than Earnhardt's. Earnhardt looked like a normal wreck. Stewart's the one mm-hmm. I thought, oh, he came out of that alive. Um, they did the right thing. One of the things I think they should do with this, I, mean, I know they say, okay, no tandem draft, more than a black flag. You've done the last 10 laps. They let them do whatever the hell they want. I think if you are tandem drafting at all, sit them a race. And we'll see what happens. <laughs> that's very uh, – Black flag. That's an interesting scenario. Black flag doesn't seem to bother them because they're going to do them. Make them sit a race. We'll see what happens whenever they do that. I think yeah, that's I the one solution, no change in money, no nothing. Here's the rules, boys. You don't like it, you sit down next week. And that's it, the way it will be. And it wouldn't be the next race. It would be the next restrictor plate race, so they really get the idea that they're not going to do this game. The one thing I want to bring up, Clayton, is right. before you get it, because I know it's your boy, we got to get Jeremy Clement in there. What a great run for that 51 team. I think so, it was uh, phenomenal. He was up there all day, him and his three-person team using Casey Mears' pit crew to pit it. But they busted their butts. They got up there. They stayed up there. That The two feel-good stories out of this weekend, yeah, Elliot Sandler was on his birthday, what he do? He's been a cup guy who wasn't good enough to stay in cup. He's bounced around Xfinity because he has a sponsor in his pocket. Brennan Poole. Yeah, he has a sponsor in his pocket, but he's young coming up, and he's doing well with it. Jeremy Clemens, if he can get some sort of sponsorship on that car, he might actually be able to go up there and challenge top five on a regular basis because it's just him, his dad, and another guy working on the car back home. So that was a great thing to see as Jeremy Clemens get up there. Yeah, I tell you, and thank you for bringing that up. Jeremy Clemens ran a great race. I, I You know, you know I have a soft spot for that team. Those teams – in the Xfinity Series, the Xfinity Series exclusive teams that go out there and try and uh, they, they get their heads brains beat in by these cup guy, cup owners and cup drivers and everything, cup engineers, all coming down to the Xfinity Series. It's And that's something about this the plate races that's great to see because it definitely levels the playing field for these smaller teams, uh, especially at Talladega because handling doesn't come in nearly as, it, as big as it does at Daytona. And I, I think that's a huge huge deal, uh, and the sequence run so well was great. But I think you're right. You know, Poole, and I said this to Katie, uh, Poole, his run's not going to go unnoticed. I don't think anybody sat there and said, oh, well, he's, you know, he, he ran a great race, but he, because the fact that he didn't win, his complete weekend is nullified. No, it's not. The kid ran a great race. He did everything he needed to do, put himself in position to win, and an unfortunate situation at the end of that race, no doubt about it. I don't even think NASCAR wanted a total caution flag because you were setting up for an extremely, extremely, extremely exciting finish coming to the checkered flag. And I think that's that was part of it, is is that they didn't want to throw the caution, but they felt like they really had to. I think that was that was part of it. Um, Katie, your thoughts on uh, the final thoughts here on the Xfinity Series race, Sparks Energy 300 at Talladega. Yeah, about the caution flag. You know, if there's a wreck behind you or in front of you, they got to throw it, they got to throw it, because it can get hairy if, if you don't. 
But um, you have to remember, Brennan Poole was close to that, was close to at least winning the dash for cash at uh, Richmond before he got caught up in that wreck. So, you know, he's one that you want to keep an eye on this year. Yeah, he's been, he's not a, uh, he's definitely, he's with a great team. He's with uh, Chip Canassi racing with Felix Sabatis. And I think Justin Marks is part of that mm-hmm. team as well. Um, so they, they, that's a very strong team. He's got a cup program there. And this kid's still learning. He's in his rookie year. So definitely, you know, right. he's going to be up there contending for wins. He did a great job this weekend. Mm-hmm. He did. And, um, you know, I just think this whole controversy, it's its craziness. It, it really is. I mean, I was on there uh, talking about, to, to several people on Twitter and on Facebook about this weekend's race. Uh, I just think NASCAR was in a tough spot there. I, I don't like freezing the field there. Uh, I wish it was different, and I've, you know, I've gotten pushback from a lot of people, a lot of very intelligent people about racing back to the caution flag anymore. But I just think that is the only solution to what everybody's complaining about because everybody's saying, oh, I'll come. I understand it completely. But the rule is if the caution flag is out, the field freezes. And to me, that was definitely mm-hmm. warranted of a caution to have a leader spinning in front of 30 cars. That, that warrants a caution, in my opinion. It really does. And NASCAR, I don't think, had the had – the, it was a split-second decision. Yeah, we can Monday morning quarterback it all day long where we sit there and go, you know what, they should have not thrown it. And if they looked back at it, they said, shoot, we shouldn't have thrown it. But at the time, it was a split-second decision on whether or not to throw the caution flag. They saw Logano spinning in front of the leaders, and they said, we have to throw it. And I think that's very understandable from that standpoint. Okay, guys, um, moving on from the weekend at Talladega Super Speedway, there's a couple of very interesting news topics. One just came out. We'll touch on that a little bit. Uh, one came out this afternoon. Uh, NASCAR and Sprint. Obviously, for the people listening that's not aware, Sprint, the uh, telecommunications company that sponsored the Cup Series since 2004 when it was Nextel and then merged into Sprint as well, um, has sponsored the Series since 2004, is leaving at the end of the season. Uh, so that, need, that means they need to find a replacement, obviously, for the 2017 season and beyond. NASCAR's chief marketing officer, Steve Phelps, said on SiriusXM Radio's Trading Paint this afternoon, that there are eight to ten sponsors in the mix to replace Sprint in 2017. And an announcement, John Harlow, should be made in September and October. Um, Kind of odd news to me there. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's crap. You can't get eight to ten companies to sponsor a race team for a full season anymore. They're not – I mean, they're talking about a billion-dollar – 10-year deal where they're getting $100 million a year out of the uh, sponsor to be the lead sponsor of the program. I don't see it coming. I mean, NASCAR's going to have to drop down their thing, I mean, their price, because I don't see eight to ten companies in the economy we're still in that's willing to shell out a billion dollars over 10 years to sponsor the series. And if I'm the sponsor coming in looking at it, there's three things I'm looking at. Attendance is down. TV ratings are down. And in the next eight to ten years, you're losing Tony Stewart, Matt Kenseth, um, probably Harvick, Maybe. probably Johnson, probably Junior. Newman. I mean, you're losing your big-name drivers in the next ten years. Mm-hmm. And NASCAR 
hasn't done a whole hell of a lot to build the bench because everybody in the Cup Series is running the Xfinity Series. I mean, when you look at Junior Motorsports, they got the all-star car. Penske's running with Keselowski or Blaney or Logano. You've got <clears throat> Joe Gibbs Racing running with Kyle Busch. Yeah, finally, they're using a couple of the youngsters because it used to be Kenseth and Denny would swap the car that they have Eric Jones in this year. So they right. actually have done a little less, but there's more cup drivers down there running every Saturday. So you're not building your bench. <laughs> so in, t- in the yeah. next 10 years, what kind of marketing do you have with your drivers to make this sport worthwhile? NASCAR is on the verge of possible collapse. Well, I think it's interesting. I've heard a lot of rumors about this, John, as far as um, how they're going to handle this. I've heard something as there might be a sponsor like Sprint, let's say. It's not going to be Sprint, but let's just use them as an example. That sponsors the regular season where it's going to be the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series uh, regular season. And then when the chase comes, they're going to have a completely different sponsor sponsor the chase. You might see a sponsor sponsor the entire series, and then it might be like the New Era Chase, NASCAR's uh, New Era Chase in the Sprint Cup Series or something to that nature. I've heard that rumor. But to me, the fact that we are, you know, we've known Sprint's been leading for a long, long time now. The fact that we still only have, we have eight to ten sponsors still in the mix for this sponsorship deal is very interesting. I, I, I just thought it would be, you know, they have some idea right now about what sponsor they would have. And I know it's not a big deal because, you know, you can say, well, NASCAR's going to do what they do. But I just hope, Katie, NASCAR doesn't get into this situation where they just make a split-second decision because they're running out of time and they say, oh, that's a sponsor, and it turns out to be a bad one for the series. That's what I hope, Katie, with this whole thing. Yeah, and I don't know who it's going to be, but all I can do is sit back and wait. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I don't think anybody really has a clue right now as to far as um, what the sponsor is going to be. I heard this weekend, uh, I heard from a, reliable, a couple of reliable sources this weekend that NASCAR wasn't anywhere close uh, after Dega to, to coming into a decision. And, and this information, this whole thing, back up, they're not anywhere close to replacing Sprint now. And I think, Johnny, that's not a, good po- a couple of good points there. I think the, the TV ratings are a big issue. They, I think NASCAR really wants to see them boost up. And it's funny the, the announcement's coming in September and October because what's in September? The Sprint Cup the chase. Series Chase. The Chase is in October. And I think they might want to sit there and say, oh, yeah, the telesponsor, listen, our, our ratings will go up. Our ratings will go up as we get the Chase going. But maybe not. Maybe, maybe because of the NFL, and that's a big, big, big issue with NASCAR in this chase is in September, they have to, in October and November, they have to compete with the almighty great one, the National Football League, on Sunday. And I think that is a big issue, and I think that's a big problem of why the ratings in the chase, don't, we don't see them peak nearly as much as NASCAR would like. I think that's something to keep an eye on, whether or not where they sit there and they go, you know what, we want to kind of see how these ratings, if they go up at all in this chase, and if they do, then we'll kick it in because everybody's interested in championship run. I think it's something interesting to see, John. I think you touched on a good point there with the TV ratings. Well, I mean, plus on top of that, we've talked this year about the ratings being down. 
And two of the reasons we've looked at and talked about on this show a couple times is why the rating's down. Gordon's in the booth, and the 24, I mean, Chase Elliott's doing great in the 24 car, but Chase Elliott doesn't have the 20-plus year resume that Jeff Gordon has, and there aren't the millions of Jeff Gordon fans that they're sort of like I was way back in the day where it's like my driver went away. Okay, who do I pick? It took me a couple of years to figure out who it was going to be. The other part, Tony Stewart was out. And if we go down the road with TV ratings falling, attendance falling, I mean, it's not like they're building more seats at the track. They're taking seats away. And there's still a lot of people disguised as silver bleachers. <laughs> and with the big-name drivers that we talked about just a couple minutes ago who should be retiring in the next 10 years, do they get a – is there an opt-out in this contract where if the ratings don't hit a certain point, I only pay so much, sort of like the car owners have with sponsors. If we don't make the chase, we don't get as much money as we do. If we make the chase, you put the sponsorship in all the way. How's it going to work? What's NASCAR going to do? There's going to be some creative marketing that goes into the sponsorship deal. And, again, I'm I'm telling you flat out, there's a shot in seven years from now, NASCAR is an afterthought. Sort of like the Cart and IRL series was whenever they split. This isn't far from the split where you don't have any big names. You're going to have Kyle Busch down the road. You'll have Kyle Busch, you'll have Logano, you'll have Kozlowski. You may get right. the Chase Elliott. You may get the Eric Jones. It's not Tony Stewart, Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Kevin Harvick, Matt Kenseth. It's not the same. And I don't You're know right, what John. it's going to be like in seven years. And, and I'll tell you another name, and I, and I don't want to bring this name up because to me, if you're on a racetrack as far as how you perform, if you're irrelevant, I don't like mes- mentioning you, but this is somebody who – uh, NASCAR and a lot of people claim brings people to the TV screen, uh, and that's Danica. I don't think Danica is going to be around much longer. Uh, I think she has openly come out publicly and said she eventually wants to start a family with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And she's 31, 32 years old. So you have to sit there and wonder how long that what that means. You know, I'm not one to speculate on on anybody's personal life. That what they do in their personal life is totally fine. But uh, if she wants to start a family, I don't think we're going to see her around 10 more years. So um, that's another thing. I think it's another name that's going to be gone. And and uh, you know, and if she keeps running the way she's been running, honestly, I'm not sure there's too many sponsors going to sign up for her anyway in the next couple of years. But that's besides the point. Um, but John, you hit a nail on the head. I think they're in a. It's an interesting time to lose a sponsor because um, the ratings are down, the tracks are tearing down seats, and you're losing some big time drivers. You lost Jeff Gordon. You're losing Tony Stewart. Um, so it's an interesting time here. And Dale Earnhardt Jr., and that's another guy who's the most popular driver out there. Fans adore him. He's another guy who has plenty more years behind him than he has in front of him. Uh, it's very interesting to see uh, to see what's going to go on there. Kenny, what are your thoughts, your final thoughts here before we move on about this sponsorship mix in the Cup Series? Yeah, I I. I have no idea how it's going to go, but it just depends on who's up and coming. You know, you have to look at the Xfinity series. You have to look at the truck series. And you even have to look at the ARCA series. I mean, that's not NASCAR, but it's got 
I don't know, the NASCAR hopefuls. Yeah, you're absolutely correct on that. And there's a lot of guys in the truck series, and we got a call here I'll take in a second. There's a lot of guys in the truck series and a lot of drivers in the, in the Xfinity series. Um, you know, for example, William Byram, he might be a guy eight years down the road who could be winning cup races. You never know. Uh, mm-hmm. The caller here, what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Lee from Virginia. Hi, Lee. How you doing? Hi, Good, Lee. How are you? Good. Um, what do you want to talk about today? I wanted to talk about the new sponsor and, and you know, the shape that NASCAR is in, and I think John and everybody hit the nail right on the head. Listen, I think what NASCAR is missing is a Tim Richmond type of character. They need a guy who's been who's vocal, who isn't afraid to speak his mind. They have that right now in Tony Stewart. Now, Tony Stewart will leave uh, at the end of the season. They're going to need a guy to come in and take his place. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is another one who's not fearful to open his mouth and say things when, when he doesn't feel like things are going the correct way. Um, but I think at this point they're going to need a guy who can come in here, speak his mind, uh, you know, who fans can relate to, young drivers who fans can relate to. Listen, they got a lot of good young drivers, okay? Chase Elliott is a terrific young driver. Ryan Blaney's a very good young driver. Eric Jones is a good young driver. None of them, though, are – Eccentric. None of them will attract the millennial audience. You know, Chase Elliott's a very quiet, mild-mannered individual. Ryan Blaney's just like his father, mild-mannered. Uh, you know, Eric Jones is another is another guy who's going to ruffle people's feathers and create some controversy. Uh, they need a guy who can go out there and do that. And I don't see him on their radar at all uh, in the future. Point. And they're going to need a guy like that. I, I, but it's funny because, and I'll let John and, and Katie chime in here if they like in a little bit here, but I just want to say this. Um, it's funny because I think you're right on that, but we're in an era now where sponsorship is huge, and I'm not sure there's a lot of sponsors out there who would like their driver acting out the way like a Tim Richmond did or acting out and being an outlier there. And, and M&M's gives Kyle Busch a lot of slack. Uh, and Kyle Busch is, is viewed on by the fans as a villain. You know, everybody can't stand for stand up for what he does, and M&M's gives him a lot of slack. But there was a time, remember, where they kind of sat there and they were like, well, you know, uh, it, it's, you know, they were kind of thinking about getting out after the whole Ron Hornaday incident, and they pulled their stuff off the car and um, for the last two races. But, you know, that's as far as close as somebody's acting out, really. So I'm not sure with the way sponsorship is so prevalent and how you have to be so PR savvy now in 2016, I'm not sure that's an option here, John, as we move forward. Well, it depends. I mean, one of the things, like you said, sponsorship is so key to everything. One of the reasons Jimmy Johnson doesn't get the respect that he deserves is he's milk toast. He's always going to say, hey, I want to thank the hundreds of employees, the thousands of employees at Lowe's Home Improvement have been with us forever. The closest you see to Jimmy Johnson getting animated, Tim and Chad arguing about whether to take two or four. He's never <laughs> yeah. going to ruffle any feathers. Um, he and then he had his little thing with Harvick last year where Harvick pushed him, but Johnson just walked away. I mean, most anybody else, back whenever I started watching the races in the 70s and the 80s, somebody does that, there's fights. I mean, do that to Mr. Excitement, what happens? There's, there's fisticuffs all over the place. Instead of just a push and he walks away, it's not that big a deal anymore. But they do yep. need somebody. I think the closest they're going to have going forward after Smoke retires this year and after Junior goes away in a few years, I think the closest they're going to have to some sort of spokesman is going to be Denny Hamlin, 
But then again, Denny Hamlin keeps getting slapped, but he keeps going back for more. Hamlin and Keselowski are probably the two who will speak on behalf of the garage. But then again, Keselowski's hated by half the garage. So you don't know where it's going to go from here. I'm telling you, I really believe the sport could be in danger if they don't figure it out. Like, Like Lee said, we need to get another Stewart personality type person in there who can win races and relate to the every man. I mean, one of the funny things I was in victory lane with at Pocono with Stewart one time, and all he kept talking about is he's got a case of Schlitz back in the motorhome that he couldn't wait to tear into. Who in the race (laughs) might drink Schlitz unless they want diarrhea for the next three days? But that was the Tony Stewart (laughs) diet plan back then. But, I mean, that's the guy. He's not going to drink he's not moving to his penthouse in New York like Johnson is or Gordon was. He's not going to his mm-hmm. mansion on the hill. I mean Stewart has a mansion, but he looks like an every guy. And that's one of the things that NASCAR is going to need down the road. And the scary part to that is, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, is right now in this sport, uh, how am I going to word this? You need a lot to you need help to get into the even the Xfinity series, especially the Cup series. You brand talk about Chase Elliott's a great young driver. Uh, a great young driver is Eric Jones. Great young, you know, Ryan Blaney's a great young driver. Elliott and Blaney had fathers who were in the Sprint Cup Series. Elliott's father, obviously, we know who he was. Blaney's father got helped get him in as well. Um, and a lot of these other people have a lot of sponsorship behind them. And that to me is scary because when, and I'm, I'm again, trying to figure out how to word this. I just think, you know, it's hard for the average fan paying tickets to come to the race to relate to a guy whose father owns the third largest home improvement warehouse chain. It's hard for somebody who could relate to a guy whose father is uh, the, the heir to the throne at Albertsons. It's hard for the average fan to relate to a guy who's the son of the CEO of Jegs. Uh, it's hard to relate, and part of the reason why Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty were so iconic in that in this sport was everybody could relate to him. Dale Earnhardt was the guy where you sat there and you said, "Hey, um, he he likes to farm, he likes to hunt. That's what I like to do. That's cool." Dale never kind of took go, gone away from that. Richard Petty was the same way. Richard Petty never went away from that. Bobby Allison. Was always the same driver. He was at. at he could be. Uh, he was a tough son of a gun. The entire his entire career up until the day he got hurt. Bobby was the same personality the entire time. He didn't care what people thought, and people respected that. You hated. You might have hated him for it. even Daryl Waltrip. Daryl Waltrip was a guy. He had a big personality. People hated Daryl Waltrip, but you had that small core group of fans who absolutely loved him and idolized him, and. It just seems like nowadays everybody's kind of falling in the middle. And it's not because I don't think these guys have personalities. It's because I think public relation-wise and the way these sponsors are, I just think that's the way they're forced to act, especially in front of the camera, which to me, and this is something we didn't, I wasn't going to touch on, but I'll touch on it here. It's almost refreshing to see a sort of rivalry out of Jack Kenseth and Joey Logano now because that's something we didn't have, we don't have anymore. We don't have the Richard Petty, uh, David Pearson rivalry. We don't have the Dale Earnhardt, Rusty Wallace rivalry, the Dale Earnhardt, J. 
Jeff Bodine rivalry. We don't have that in the sport anymore. So it's good to see drivers who might not see eye-to-eye every day be frustrated at each other. Uh, you brought up a lot of good points, Leah, and I just uh, I, I think that's definitely something that um, – and might not, it might be out of NASCAR's control almost, but I think it's definitely something that, uh, that needs to improve. I think you're absolutely right on that, Lee. And one of the things I think that they needed to address is the cost of getting into the sport, even in the in the smaller series. You know, I understand that they were fighting to raise the purses in the, in the top series, and that's why we have the chartering system. Will a chartering system work in the Camping World Truck Series? Will a chartering system work in the NASCAR Xfinity Series? Will that even low, uh, close the gap to the smaller teams and help these young drivers get involved in the rides? Uh, that's a, those are questions are still yet to be determined. They're going to need to raise purses, raise purses in order for these teams to survive and have these guys not rely so much on sponsorship. They need good young drivers in here who are a little bit mouthy, who guys can relate to, because I, I think you're right, Clayton, that you know we can't relate to the, another guy who's in the Xfinity Series. The son of the CEO of Marine is running in the NASCAR Xfinity Series right, right now who's a young driver. We can't relate to him either. So there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, and, and, and on top of that, go ahead, John. on top of that, Lee, whatever you were saying about that, there are a lot of things where you look at it when they say about race purses, making them bigger so sponsorship isn't such a big deal. They make more money in Daytona Beach than you can shake a stick at, that being NASCAR, because of what the France family owns in NASCAR and their ownership majority ownership of ISC. Before the first lap is run, they have made a profit. They will make a huge profit every time the circus comes to town. They could raise the purses without... In reality, they could go without a sponsor for the series with the amount of money they make off of the TV deal off of the official toilet paper of NASCAR and all the other different sponsorships they have, all the tickets sold, the beer, hot dogs, food sold at the track, they can do it without a sponsor. They're just pocketing it down in NASCAR headquarters. They're not raising the purses that much because of the charter series. They're just making sure that the big drivers get in. You don't, I mean, you paid your dues, you got a guaranteed starting spot until you look at some sort. I mean, I almost want to say look at it the way the NFL does. Every team gets the same amount of revenue. Every team, revenue sharing, and the NFL has parity. NASCAR, there's nowhere near parity. You've got five teams, five multi-car teams that have a chance of winning every race. I think you may get the outlier in a restrictor plate, but I mean, if you if they go to some sort of revenue sharing, which will never happen because of the way NASCAR is, they could end up making the sport stronger and survive better. But they're not going to do it. I think ultimately that's the goal of the chartering system, but with the way sponsorships money is so far out of hand, um, you're never going to see that. But I think ultimately what they're trying to do with the uh, chartering system in NASCAR is say what they take home from uh, the racetrack, from the racetracks, the purse, um, the amount of purse money they take home is identical. Um, that's, I think, something that, that these owners definitely want. But again, you know, um, 
the, to sponsor David Reagan's car and to sponsor Dale Earnhardt Jr. car are per race. It's not not even close. So um, I, I think that's a, a big issue. Uh, Lee, um, thanks for joining the show. You're more than welcome anytime. You had a lot to the show. I appreciate you coming on. Um, and we'll call back next week. You guys do a great job. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Lee. It was Lee from Virginia. Thanks, Lee. always adds a, uh, a great uh, insight. Katie, your, final, your thoughts here um, on that whole uh, sequence we just had. Your thoughts. Man, I don't know what to say. Um, I think one thing I'd like to add is I don't know if we're getting someone that is speaking their mind right now. You kind of have to you kind of have to towards Joey Logano, I don't know, being the bad guy a little bit. Mm. Well, yeah, he's a guy who definitely has um, ruffled some feathers here. I know a lot of people don't like Logano in the garage area. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. pretty evident. So he's definitely a guy who ruffles a lot of feathers. And I feel like the two Penske drivers definitely are out on the island. There were not too many people uh, really like them, but uh, it's just to me, it's nowhere near where it was as far as personalities go. And I think it's a lot to do with sponsorships. I really do. Um, one more mm-hmm. topic I want to touch on before we wrap up, guys. We only got about two minutes and thirty seconds here. Uh, is that the mm-hmm. schedule? The schedule is going to be released tomorrow uh, for 2017. Uh, not too many changes. It sounds like Daytona is going to be a week later, which is pretty interesting. Um, but also. There's a big swap at Dover. They're going to try and push Dover back a week, it sounds like, as well, where Dover's going to be behind Charlotte. Uh, but news on NBC Sports right about two hours ago, um, that there's going to be a swap in dates between Talladega Super Speedway and Kansas Speedway in October, making Kansas Speedway the deciding race in the second round of the chase. Uh, Talladega will now be before Kansas, so it will go, I believe. It is uh, Charlotte. Talladega, Kansas, I believe it is now. I could be totally wrong on that uh, for the second round, but I, I think I'm pretty accurate on that. But, um, it, you know, a lot of drivers, John, complained about Talladega being the deciding race. Uh, what are your thoughts on that swap before we wrap up here? I think it gives somebody, it gives everybody a chance to make a time. If they get caught in the big one at Talladega, they have a shot at making it up in the other two races instead of Talladega being the end-all, be-all where you're going to end up going to pile up and people are going to be complaining. It'll take away what Harvick did at Talladega last year. I mean, if you think about it, he went out and caused a wreck to make sure he got in. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the things that moving Talladega back a week would probably be a good thing. To be honest with you, I'd like to see Talladega not in the chase because that is too much of a wild card where, I mean, like Stuart said, when you practice it, you can put a monkey in here, it'll do it. It'll drive the car because, mm-hmm. I mean, it holds itself well. I mean, it's whoever gets a little loose, you're going to end up having a problem. But I think moving Talladega back a week gives you two weeks to make yourself up. And my final thought on this is I wonder if – I know the – I'm sure the driver's union had a lot to do with this. But I wonder if also there was some attendance thoughts going through. Kansas Speedway changed their date in the fir- in their first race. They changed their dates. Now Mother's Day is coming up this weekend. And I wonder if they sat there and said, well, if we get Kansas on an elimination race, the, spon- the, the attendance for that race will be up more than what already is. It's an interesting thought, I think, to have. 
I want to thank Kitty Williams, all our callers today. Uh, John Harlow, of course, for contributing. And we'll be back here next week on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody. Good night.